Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the four Wednesday bowl games. That's Wednesday, December 28th. This is going to be a little bit of a quicker episode since it is already Wednesday, and some of you guys may need to be listening to this before kickoff or before lineup lock, so this will be a little bit of a quicker episode. Later this morning, we're going to be releasing the Thursday episode for the bowl games on December 29th. On that episode, we will recap Monday and Tuesday's action and then preview Thursday's action. We'll go in a little bit more deeper detail on that one since there's going to be a little more time to analyze before Thursday's games. As always, if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, dropping some extra stats and facts, and more than happy to answer any lineup questions or start sit questions that you may have. All right, enough talking. Let's go ahead and jump into the analysis for Wednesday's bowls. Let's talk about the quarterback position first. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So looking at this four-game slate for Wednesday, this may be one of the highest-scoring bowl slates of the season. In fact, it probably will be of the season, and one of the higher-scoring bowl slates I've ever seen. All four of these games have an over-under over 60 points, meaning there's going to be some points scored today. And talking about the quarterback position, I think that it is a great day to pay up at quarterback. There are five studs that are going to be worth paying up for. They are Bo Nix, K.J. Jefferson, Drake May, Riley Leonard, and John Reese Plumley. So let's go ahead and talk about those five options and then a few value plays that we might look at as well. So Bo Nix of Oregon has been one of the best fantasy quarterbacks all season long. His last two games, though, are a little concerning. He only had 14 and 23 fantasy points in both of them, which were easily his worst of the season since week one against Georgia. So you're looking at Bo Nix. He's kind of fading just a little bit. His price tag is dropping just a little bit. But I think this is a good time to jump back on the Bo Nix train. North Carolina gives up 276 passing yards per game, which is 121st in the country. That is 12th from last. So you're looking at one of the worst pass defenses in the nation against Bo Nix. A very high point total in this one. North Carolina is going to be scoring points as well. So I think this is a great situation to go back and pay up for Bo Nix. Now, K.J. Jefferson is the best dual threat option on the slate today. He averages about 12 rushing attempts per game, and he gets about a third of his fantasy points from rushing. Now, what is good news for him is that Kansas is bad in both areas defensively. Kansas is 104th in the nation in pass defense at 258 yards per game and 114th in rushing defense at 194 yards per game. So K.J. Jefferson legitimately has the ability to hurt the Jayhawks both on the ground and through the air. And I think he is probably my favorite option on the slate today because I think there's also less players that you have to stack him with. So I think K.J. Jefferson would be my number one quarterback for this slate. North Carolina's Drake May has had duds for the last three games. One thing that is slightly concerning also is that there is no Josh Downs in this one. His number one wide receiver has already declared for the NFL draft and opted out of the bowl game. But the good news is Oregon is 107th in the nation in passing yards allowed. That's 25th from the bottom. So you're looking at a situation where, like we talked about with Bo Nix, there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. So Drake May is going to have to keep throwing, and he's actually a pretty good runner as well. He actually leads North Carolina in rushing. But you're looking at a situation where he's going to have to be scoring some fantasy points if he wants his team to win this game. So the last three games are kind of what concerns me a little bit about Drake May. It's why I don't have him in the same regard as K.J. Jefferson. But I definitely think that this is a spot where if you want a game stack, this is the one to stack. Or if you are 
kind of trying to play contrarian or trying to go for lower ownership, I think Drake May will garner lower ownership than K.J. Jefferson. I think he will be higher owned than Bo Nix, but less owned than K.J. Jefferson. All right, next up, Duke's Riley Leonard is on a very kind of under the radar, really good run lately. He has at least 25 fantasy points in six straight games. And when you look at stacking options, there are much cheaper wide receiver stacks with Riley Leonard than some of the other quarterbacks that we've already talked about. And Ryland Leonard is also Duke's leading rusher and rushing touchdown scorer. So you're looking at another dual threat guy that can hurt UCF on the ground and through the air. And he's been super consistent, and he's actually much cheaper than the other three quarterbacks I named. So I think that what you're going to see a lot of this week is a lot of lineups that have either Nick's Jefferson or May. I think Jefferson will be the most highly owned of those three. So you get one of those three quarterbacks, and then you'll get one of Riley Leonard or John Reese Plumley because they're a little bit cheaper. They're a little further down the board. Of those two options, I much prefer Leonard to John Reese Plumley. But let's go ahead and talk about John Reese Plumley. So UCF had kind of been splitting snaps with John Reese Plumley and Mikey Keene. Mikey Keene is now in the transfer portal. So John Reese Plumley is going to be playing all of the snaps in this game. And that's pretty important. He has five games over 35 points this season. And his team is currently implied 29 points on the total. So the closest comparison I can find to that is when he scored 22 fantasy points when UCF had 27 total points against Georgia Tech. So if UCF booms and scores like in the 40s or 50s, he's going to boom as well. It's very closely correlated is my point in reading that stat. So I would prefer Leonard to Plumley, but I definitely think Plumley has a lot of upside. If you're playing GPPs on FanDuel or DraftKings, I think that John Reed Plumley has a guy who has a super high ceiling who can win you a GPP. Now, looking at the values, Jalen Daniels of Kansas has not been good since he came back from injury, but Arkansas is... Not a great defense, so I think that he definitely has some upside, especially as a dual threat. I think the option is there for a game stack for him as well. Jack's Dart of Ole Miss is a good cash game player, but in my opinion, he doesn't have the upside of any of the top guys. He only has four games this season over 27 fantasy points, and Ole Miss has just turned into a really heavy running team, and I think that they're going to be able to do that again today against Texas Tech. Speaking of Texas Tech, I expect Tyler Shue to be the guy who gets the start. He has two games over 27 fantasy points since returning from injury. He can definitely save you a lot of money if you want to give that a shot. The Ole Miss defense, though, I think is going to be a little bit better than what they're used to seeing in the Big 12. So I don't necessarily, I'm not really rushing to play Tyler Shue today. Now, another really interesting one. Jordan Moore is listed as a quarterback on DraftKings, but he has pretty much operated as Duke's is one of their top receivers in the last two games. He has put up some pretty good fantasy point totals in the last two games. If you're looking to get like super contrarian and play only one quarterback and play a lot of skill position guys, you can put Jordan Moore at your quarterback or at your flex or super flex, I should say. And that would be, honestly, I think he will pay off his price tag. But I definitely think that you want the upside of playing two real quarterbacks in this slate with how good the quarterbacks are. Put it this way, if he were at this price tag and I could play him at flex, I would be considering him like close to a lock for the lineup. But unfortunately, he's still listed as a quarterback because he started the season as a backup quarterback. I do believe FanDuel correctly has him as a wide receiver, though. All right, so that does it for the quarterback position. Let's go ahead and switch on over and talk about some running backs. All right, so at the running back position, in my opinion, there are two very clear top options. But the issue is, is that we've talked about how we like the expensive quarterbacks this week. 
And I really like the two expensive running backs this week. So we're going to have to find a way where maybe we can't play both of these guys. Maybe we can play one and then play a value play. Or we can really pay down at wide receiver as well. But anyway, let's talk about those two top options. In my opinion, the number one option on the slate at running back is Quinshawn Jenkins of Ole Miss. The true freshman has five out of his last six games over 29 fantasy points. He gets a lot of carries. And Zach Evans, their other running back, is very up in the air with his injury status. So that could lead to more carries for Quinshawn Jenkins. And it's a pretty good time to give him more carries because Texas Tech gives up 166 rushing yards per game. I think that number will go up today because I think Ole Miss is going to be a little bit higher in their rush percentage than a lot of the Big 12 opponents that Texas Tech plays. So I think that Quinshawn Jenkins is the elite option at the running back position this week. Rocket Sanders of Arkansas has huge upside. He has four games this season over 30 fantasy points. We have also targeted the Kansas rush defense all year long. This is a bad rushing defense, and we've had success playing guys going against them. For instance, Kansas has given up 30 fantasy points to the following running backs. Deuce Vaughn of Kansas State, Bijan Robinson of Texas. Okay, that one's not shocking. He puts up 30 against everybody. Richard Reese of Baylor and Eric Gray of Oklahoma. That's four times that they've given up 30 fantasy points to a running back. Rocket Sanders has four games where he's had over 30 fantasy points as a running back. Also, I think that it makes a lot of sense to play Rocket Sanders today. I also like the interesting stack of the Arkansas run game where you could go KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders as your stack. But I really do like those two guys, Judkins and Sanders, as my top running backs this week. Now, if we're looking down the board just a little bit, Devin Neal of Kansas, I believe, is also a solid option. The Kansas offense has gone more run heavy after their bye week. He's averaged 21 carries and 26 fantasy points in their four games since the bye week. I don't know if they will have as much success running against Arkansas, but hey, if he's going to keep getting the carries and he's going to keep getting the touches, I definitely think he's worth a look at his price tag. UCF's Isaiah Bowser is headed to the NFL after this game, and he hasn't officially been declared in or out. But what's interesting is that, you know, looking at a whole lot of sites where I do my research, sites that have projections, sites that talk about lineups, I see some sites that project him to have a good day against Duke, and I see sites that project him for zero points against Duke. So if he if we can get word on whether or not he's actually playing, I think he's a solid option. If he does not play, I think both of his backups are options as well. R.J. Harvey and Johnny Richardson would be the two guys that would be getting carries for that UCF backfield. Uh, Duke only gives up 121 rushing yards per game, so that's kind of lower than average. But they haven't played teams that run the ball a whole lot anyway, so they're playing teams that throw it all over the yard. So I think that this UCF rushing situation is one to monitor. If Isaiah Bowser gets declared out, I think you can definitely save some salary by playing R.J. Harvey or Johnny Richardson in his place. Now, the Texas Tech backfield is a mystery. Trying to figure out touches for this backfield on a week-to-week -week basis has been very troubling, and I would probably just avoid this situation altogether if I could. So Roderick Thompson was their best back last week against Oklahoma. He had 22 touches in that game. If that pattern continues, he is the guy that you would want to play, not Taj Brooks or any other Texas Tech back. But like I said, this backfield's been a mystery week in and week out, and you can just avoid this situation altogether if you want to. For Oregon, Bucky Irving is still the starter. He's a solid option with a reasonable price tag. If you're looking to get some leverage on people that play Bo Nix, then he might be a guy that you can look for. And for UNC, same logic with 
Drake May. If you're looking to gain some leverage on guys that play Drake May, you can play Elijah Green. He's taken over the backfield pretty much exclusively since the Caleb Hood injury, and he's been pretty good when doing it. So I definitely think that if you're looking to gain leverage on guys playing those two quarterbacks, Bucky Irving and Elijah Green are your two options. For Duke, Jalen Coleman has dominated the backfield for the last three games, but he hasn't gotten a whole lot of production. He's gotten a whole lot of carries, but not a whole lot of yards or touchdowns. So if you're looking to play a guy just in the Duke backfield, he is it, but I would rather just not. So you don't have to if you don't want to. So at the running back position, I'm probably, when building my lineups, I'm definitely going to be putting in either Judkins or Sanders, and then maybe paying down for, depending on which quarterback I'm playing, or which quarterback I'm not playing, I should say, maybe Bucky Irving or Elijah Green. And then if I get news on the UCF situation, I definitely think that those guys are one of my favorite options as well. All right, so that is enough for the running back position. Let's go ahead and talk about some wideouts. All right, so we're going to break down the wide receiver position, how we always do, by price tag, by team. So let's talk about the UNC wide receiver room first. So they're going to be without Josh Downs. And they were kind of a very sporadic target share team when they played without Josh Downs earlier this season. They played without Josh Downs in week two and week three, which was forever ago. So if you want to kind of see what the target shares broke down in those two weeks, you can. I'm going to talk about a few of them here. Now, Antoine Green has been their second leading receiver all season, and he actually didn't play in those two games either. So not only do those two games, week two and week three, come without Josh Downs, but they came without Antoine Green also. So it's my belief that Antoine Green is going to kind of step into that Josh Downs role. My personal opinion, I wish they had him lower priced than he is. I think that he's a little bit overpriced, but I definitely think that he's still an option for North Carolina in this bowl game. Now, Bryson Nesbitt would be my most likely bet to see more snaps and targets without Josh Downs. He's kind of played all season long, um, but without Downs, he could definitely play more and get more targets. The tight end, Kamari Morales, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of upside to Josh Downs being out for him, but he is out there on the field. He's got a fairly high snap percentage, so he is a decent consideration in my opinion. Now, Gavin Blackwell is a very young prospect, and he had 6.7 fantasy points against App State without Josh Downs, so I definitely think he's a guy that you can look at as well. Um, I don't know. I, there's not a whole lot to bank on in recent games for Gavin Blackwell, but if it's any indication of how when Josh Downs was out, he was out there on the field playing when Josh Downs was out. Now, another guy who did very well when Josh Downs was out was Kobe Pesor. He had five catches for 73 yards in, and a touchdown in that game against Appalachian State, so he might be the guy that is the beneficiary of that Josh Downs position. But again, they were without Antoine Green also, so was he the benefit of the Downs position or the Antoine Green position? I don't really know for sure, but I definitely think that in a game that is going to have a lot of scoring and a lot of um, just possessions and a lot of pass attempts, I definitely think that you can look for um, you know, some of these North Carolina wide receivers, even if you're not stacking with Drake May. Now, from what I can find online, Kobe Pesor is projected to be a starter in this game, so I definitely think that Pesor might be the guy that I would personally go with. All right, now let's move over to the Oregon side of things. So for Oregon, Troy Franklin is really the only wide receiver who has had consistent production this season. Now, Chris Hudson is another option. He has 
almost four catches a game, but he hasn't scored a touchdown all season. So I definitely think that if Chris Hudson finally gets some touchdown regression, he could be a guy to look for. And then the tight end, Terrence Ferguson, is always a threat to score a touchdown in the red zone. That's kind of just what he does. If he scores a touchdown, yay, he had a good day. If he doesn't, he's not going to do much for you at all. So if you're stacking Bo Nix, I definitely think that Franklin is the only one you have to stack with. The only two other ones I would even consider are Hudson and Ferguson. This wide receiver core has a lot of guys in the portal, and so I'm probably just avoiding anybody not named those three guys. Now, Ole Miss, in my opinion, is an easy team to stack because it's pretty much just Heath and Mingo. Those are the main two targets in this offense. Now, the other two guys that are on the field are Jordan Watkins and Dayton Wade, and this is projected to be a high-scoring game. So those two guys could definitely give you some salary relief. Even if you're not playing Jack's dart, uh, those two guys, Watkins and Wade, could definitely allow you to spend up at other positions. Wade is one of these guys where he gets schemed up touches. Like they'll give him the ball on screens, on jet sweeps, you know, swings. They'll they'll look for a way to get the football in his hands. And against the Texas Tech defense, I'd like anybody who is going to have the football in their hands for four or five times. Now, speaking of the Texas Tech side of things, this is kind of a mess right now because their three top receivers, Jaran Bradley, Miles Price, and Xavier White, are all three healthy. Now, looking at games when all three of them are healthy, I tried to look for some kind of predictable pattern of who to play and who not to play, and there's just really not one. It's kind of just a mess when all three of them do play. If you if you plan on playing these guys, they're all three fairly similar price ranged. I would probably play a lineup with each of them. I don't know if I would necessarily you know, go all in on one of these guys because they're so erratic and so hard to predict. All right, now let's talk about the UCF-Duke game. So for UCF, the transfer of Ryan O'Keefe frees up a lot of targets. Kobe Hudson, the Auburn transfer, has been electric since he's been on the field after the first four games of the season where he was out. And that has coincided with a downturn for Javon Baker. But guess what? No Ryan O'Keefe. So both of these guys are going to see increased workload and increased targets. Now, Alec Holler has been operated as the starting tight end ahead of Kamori Gamble. So if you're going to play one of those two guys, I would prefer Holler. Now, the potential value is Xavier Townsend. So from what I can get from, from Twitter, from the media, from the internet, is that Xavier Townsend is going to slide into Ryan O'Keefe's starting spot. And that is good news for him. He had 11 fantasy points last game, one of which was on a rushing touchdown. So Xavier Townsend, at minimum price on DraftKings, he could give you a lot of value if he does, in fact, take over that spot for Ryan O'Keefe. Now, for Duke, it's a weird situation because you got to remember that one of their best wide receivers is listed as a quarterback on DraftKings. So you get when looking at it, Jaywin Calhoun has been the best option all season. He just has a steady volume. He's the most predictable wide receiver in this Duke receiving core, and he's one of the most predictable wide receivers on the slate. Samir Hagens is a guy who had 36 fantasy points against Wake in their last game, but that's about 33% of his season total. So um, I wouldn't consider anybody other than Calhoun or Hagens. I think Calhoun is a great cash game play, and I think that if you're stacking with Riley Leonard, Calhoun is the guy that I would prefer to go with. For Arkansas, they've had some transfers, and Matt Landers is really the only experienced wide receiver left. From everything that I can find online, Jaden Wilson and Bryce Stevens are going to be the two starting wide receivers alongside Landers today. So I think that Landers definitely gets a bump. And if you're looking to stack the Arkansas offense, Wilson and Stevens could be guys who get potential bumps and see increased roles. 
Now, the last team, the Kansas passing offense does not really have enough volume to support multiple wide receivers, and none of their guys really dominate the target share enough to be a true alpha. Luke Grimm might be the one guy I would consider, but you know, you can just avoid this Kansas receiving core altogether if you want. I would rather play Devin Neal than any of these guys. All right, so that does it for the wide receiver position, and that does it for the Wednesday bowl games. So make sure you stay tuned to the podcast feed. We are going to be talking about the Thursday bowl games, as well as on a later episode, the Friday and Saturday bowl slates also. Um, So make sure you stay tuned for that. Also, if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, making some stats and facts that I don't always get to during the episode. And also, I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions. All right, so that does it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Good luck in all your DFS contests, and I will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.